The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. everybody happy tuesday welcome back to the show hope you enjoyed yesterday's ultra fast edition of the reverse chronological lightning round monday i make no promises about today's podcast and exactly how long it's going to take we are 30 seconds in i'm gonna make my best guess i'm gonna say 41 minutes this is not me going back later in editing i'm gonna try not to actually steer it towards that but that that's my target so let's see how it goes I'm Dan Bespris. You know that. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation, hoop-ball.com, at hoopballfantasy on Twitter. You guys are letting me down, man. I need some ratings and reviews on Today in Sports Betting, or I am pulling the plug on the dang contest. There's like maybe 20% of you guys that did it for this show have done it for our other show, which I thought it was going to be the other way around because most of you haven't already reviewed today in sports betting, but I was off the mark. Please do it. I want to make this contest happen. I want to give something away, but I can't if only a handful of you are uh, are actually getting involved. So, uh, of course, on the other side of that, because only a hand of you, handful of you are getting involved, if you guys can stuff the ballot box, well, just saying. We don't have any problem with that. Ethics. Feh. <laughs> makes me think of uh what is that it's the end of billy madison right i choose business ethics we got a good plan for today's show we're gonna recap a uh, pretty good size monday card eight gamer weird games very weird games a series of blowouts in the middle few, and, oh, man, I'm so upset with myself on the gambling side, but I'll get to that as we break down those games. We'll also take a look at a shorter Tuesday card. Uh, we are, you know, I, this is this is like if a, a talk show host opened up by saying, well, we got an okay show for you today, but here's the thing. We got the trade deadline in two days. This is the calm before the storm. I keep waking up expecting to see some crazy thing that happened, but it's just more of the same. It's more Aaron Gordon's going to get traded and Victor Oladipo's going to get traded. That's all we're hearing so far. There's going to be stuff. There's going to be stuff. And it might just be those two guys. Or maybe it won't be those guys. Maybe it'll be someone else. But right now, we're in the lull. We had all these teams last week. We had the OKC pivot into the punt we had the bulls changing their starting lineup up last week was great for new fantasy players bursting onto the scene this week is the wait we're in the wait but there is something you can do in the wait and i'll tell you about that a little bit later on in the show right now let's break down monday because you know it's already late morning here on the pacific coast which means it's early afternoon elsewhere in the united states you guys are Probably a little bit irritated, frankly, that you don't have the pod already. And if you're not, well, you should be because, damn it, I should have gone faster. Sacramento at Cleveland. Remember how on air I said, boy, Kings favored by four? Something weird going on in this ballgame. Hey, the thing that was weird is that apparently the Kings were freaking ready. 
Rashawn Holmes, big one. Tyrese Halliburton, big one. De'Aaron Fox, big one. Harrison Barnes, near triple-double. And yet, it is not clear what the Kings are going to do. I kept prepping us here on this podcast, and I've been prepping myself for the Kings being sellers, but they are only three and a half games out of the play-in tournament. The Grizzlies are 20-20. and 20. The Kings at seven games under 500 are three and a half games back. It's a fat long shot at this point because they're also behind the Pels, the Thunder as well. There's two teams in between them. But if you're the Kings, you're like, look, the Thunder are actually trying to lose. They're still winning because probably because of Chris Paul last year. I think there's lingering effects of that, but they're still finding ways to win. The Pelicans are trying to win, but they are losing. Well, they did have a good win their last time out. So if you're the Kings, you're like, okay, in in a perfect world, I really only have to pass one of these two teams. The other one should just sort of get out of the way. And then they just, you know, they hope the Grizzlies, because that's what that would be the one. I don't think the Spurs are going anywhere with DeMar DeRozan back now. Mavs not going anywhere. Warriors, the only way that things fall apart is that the Steph tailbone situation is worse than expected, but I don't think it is. So the Grizzlies are the one the Kings are staring at. I mean, three and a half games is, it's surmountable, but it's not nothing. Kings are at 43 games played right now. There's not 30 games less than 30 games left. Grizzlies are at 40. So remember, they were one of the low numbers. It's doable, but you can't play the way you have been. Regardless, it continues to be very much a we don't know what the Kings are going to do. If they're smart, they'll move Rashawn. They could get, and they should get, the sky for Rashawn Holmes. He's been incredible. And then Hassan Whiteside would have to play a whole bunch. As we said on yesterday's pot, it's really not that clear what happens if, say, Harrison Barnes gets traded. Does Demonio Bielitsa play those minutes, or does it go to a younger player? We don't know. We don't know. And that's why Whiteside is really the only guy you're looking at as a, you know, maybe you pick him up Thursday morning as a stash, just for half the day. Just until you know if Rashawn Holmes gets moved. That's it. On the Cleveland side, uh, they... Boy, this is an unpredictable lot, aren't they? JaVale McGee had the best game on the team. Go figure that one out. Larry Nance did have at least three steals. Otherwise, things got pretty ugly pretty fast. Colin Sexton, 15.7 assists, but really nothing else. Darius Garland was not very good. Cavs are just not very good. Jared Allen got eaten alive by Rashawn Holmes in this game. Completely devoured. Shame about Kevin Love. He's just, yeah, he's just done. OKC beat Minnesota. As we say, the, uh, the Thunder not really putting their best lineup on the floor at any given moment, but it doesn't matter because they're just, they play smarter than their opposition. And, like, look at the talent in this one. Carl Anthony Towns led Minnesota Timberwolves team. They should be beating an OKC team that's resting Al Horford and Lou Dort for this game. And they got clubbed. Wasn't even a good game. I like... Thunder took 10 free throws in the whole game, and they still waxed them. OKC, give a lot of credit to OKC. They hit a lot of shots. I mean, that makes a big difference. They had 21 three-pointers, so, you know, maybe this is a game that goes a little differently. Regardless, from a fantasy standpoint, with no Al Horford, then you know Moses Brown, and to a lesser extent, Isaiah Roby, who had some foul issues and just sort of never really got on track in yesterday's game. But Moses Brown... Four points, 17 rebounds, a steal, and three blocks. 
didn't go to the free throw line, so that's good for us. Somehow only shot two out of six, maybe because he was dealing with Cat, but he forced Cat into a really bad shooting game. Give a ton of credit to Moses Brown in this one, and he looks like a terrific player the rest of the way. Alexei Pokashevsky double-double the three blocks, and he's a great fill-in here while Darius Baisley's out. I don't know that... I mean, it's not clear that any of those big men, Brown, Pokashevsky, or Roby, does any of them hold value if Baisley and Horford are in? Probably not. I don't know there's enough there, but look, Al Horford resting both halves of a back-to-back means it didn't have anything to do with the back-to-back. It means they're resting him because they want to trade him, and trade deadline is two days away. Do they play him after the trade deadline if he isn't moved? Yeah, probably here and there, sparingly. But that's not going to be enough to knock Brown off his pedestal. I'd be more worried about Roby and Pokashevsky if or when Darius Baisley comes back. Because Pokashevsky has the easier path of those two guys to fantasy value because he hits the three ball and block shots and rebounds. Pretty interesting fantasy stat set, actually. Dynasty-wise, keeper-wise, that kind of stuff. Uh, Short-term... You roll with him, we'll reassess when Baisley comes back. That's the easiest way to look at it. And then with Roby, this was a this was a lesser performance from him. Uh, I think he's generally going to be better than this. I, I, for the most part, do trust him because he can rebound. He does pass, not in this game, but hit a three ball, steal. He gets steals. You know, his free throw percentage is rough as some of those other guys. But Brown is the lead horse of these these big men. He's just, I mean... Look at that, 17 boards. Like, what more do you need to say? But those guys, uh, Brown is on teams at this point. He should be. Uh, Poku, probably also on fantasy rosters because he's been a really nice streamer. Roby's the one that's going to be bouncing on and off, and that's fine. He probably belongs bouncing on and off. Ty Jerome looks pretty good. I don't think he's going to overtake Theo Maladon, at least not in the short term. But from a fantasy perspective, he is the more interesting of the two, uh, both of whom I think you can probably leave on the waiver wire. Anthony Edwards slowed down. That'll be the up and down stuff going on. We're getting real close to Beasley and D'Lo coming back, and that'll really be the news in Minnesota, unless they make a trade for someone. Although it sounds like, from what we're hearing, Aaron Gordon doesn't want to go to another crummy team. That's the guy they would have targeted to sort of begin to build around a Cat, Gordon, Edwards, D'Lo, Beasley starting five. Sounds pretty good, by the way. Uh, But I don't think he wants to go there. So... Whatever. Charlotte, first game without LaMelo. Injured star theory in full effect. They didn't really play all that well offensively, but they played very well from a hustle standpoint. Didn't turn the ball over. Had a lot of assists. So they were moving the ball. They were running. They were having fun. They were hitting their free throws. The shine's going to come off here because they do need LaMelo Ball to be fully successful. I mean, a team given Bismarck Biombo the starting center job when does the shine come off? I don't know. But of note in this game, Devontae Graham played 29 minutes. He does look like the primary beneficiary with no Lamelo. Malik Monk had 15 shots in 27 minutes. He might actually do enough in a gunner role. This is points league stuff only. You're not venturing into Malik Monk land uh, outside of points leagues. And the nice thing here is that he didn't explode which means that if you're in a points format, you can look at that and think, oh, cool, well, I can get him before the next one because you know, I now I know he's going to play some mid-to-high 20s in minutes, and 
for someone who's as aggressive as he is, that's probably going to be 12 to 15 shots. And that should be enough for points league value because you just hope he makes a bunch of them, I guess. Uh, Spurs side, Derek White was very good. DeMar was uh, pretty good. Jakob Pertl tried to do a Moses Brown impersonation. I jest. And, uh, you know, their heart just wasn't really in this one. Spurs played fine, but not good. They played fine. Keldon Johnson, only 9-3 with a block. Still played 32 minutes, so I'm going to continue to give him more rope. And right now, it looks like the Spurs starters are the guys you're rolling with. Houston, the the nightmare is over. 20-game losing streak, finally done at the expense of the hapless Toronto Raptors right now. Who And this was the fear. They got all their guys back. But they're just not right. They had this brief stretch during the middle of this season, which I guess we're still in the middle of this season, where they started to look a little bit more like themselves, but they just, they're not playing defense. They're not guarding anybody. I didn't realize, I'll admit it, I was wrong. I did not realize that the Serge Ibaka Marc Gasol duo was so critical to what Toronto was doing and its position defense and covering. When guards lose their man. Now, admittedly, no OG Ananobi is a, a pretty big deal because he's their, he's their best defender. And, you know, I know Chris Boucher can fly around and block shots, but he's generally in the wrong spot on defense. And so the blocks come in a recovery mode. And then Aaron Baines is just not really fast enough to keep up with anybody. So they have this big issue on the interior. I thought they'd be able to sort of overcome it, but they haven't really this year. And now Toronto is at risk of blowing things up. If they do, Norman Powell, Kyle Lowry are the two guys that you'd put kind of on the block, at least among players that are doing stuff for that team. Problem is, if those guys get moved, I don't know that anybody really steps into those shoes. You know, Freddie Van Fleet slides down, plays point guard instead. Norman Powell, he wasn't even starting to begin this year, so they probably slide Siakam back down to power forward, and then Boucher or Baines starts. Uh, and then you you know you flip in a, a a superfluous type guy like in this game it was Paul Watson or Stanley Johnson or Terrence Davis might show up DeAndre Bembry got ejected so no I'm not all that interested in what remains in Toronto if they sell I guess you might have some curiosities of who might come back but it feels like at that point it would be more of a salary dump Houston side. Sterling Brown got the start for resting Victor Oladipo, who is resting through the trade deadline, I would assume, and uh, was fantastic. 20 points, 10 rebounds, four threes, and a blocked shot. I don't think anybody saw that type of explosion coming. But it is interesting. Well, first of all, Kevin Porter didn't play, so it's possible he might have had that job had he been healthy. It's also possible that he would have just taken a bunch of the minutes from those guys if he was healthy. Either way, this was interesting because in a post-Oladipo world in Houston, this was the starting lineup. The question I ask is, does Sterling Brown go to the bench for Kevin Porter Jr.? That's the, that's the one change you might see uh, unless Aaron Gordon happens to reappear at some point, but I don't, I don't expect that to happen. John Wall, triple-double. Daniel House, 37 minutes. It was actually pretty good, although not much usage, so that's a little bit of a downer there. Jay Sean Tate was excellent. He made eight out of his nine shots. That's cool. Uh, and then Brown's big ball game. I don't trust Sterling Brown. He'll probably get added in a few spots, but I'm not doing it. I think you're also at risk here of whatever player comes back to Houston because they'll want a player for Oladipo. I don't think it's going to be pure salary dump. 
unless they got some serious assets if they're not getting a player coming back. Let's say they don't get a player coming back. Kevin Porter Jr. gets healthy. He probably ends up taking a lot of those minutes. And then if John Wall ever shuts her down, then things really turn loose. But I still like Jay Sean Tate as kind of the lead dog on those wing types. That hasn't changed for me. Daniel House, as we mentioned on yesterday's pod, kind of moved from watch list to add territory. He's looked good in very big minutes. And I also think this Houston team wants to win a few ball games. I think they, they're tired of losing, man. That was a rough stretch for them. So you'll probably see this look again in their next ball game, I think. We'll see, I guess. But uh, we were told that John Wall and Christian Wood were going to be on minutes limits, but that, that seemed to be more of a thing for Wood than Wall. But Christian Wood will, or will likely slowly add minutes to his bucket as well. Still, Jay Sean Tate, he's a guy that does belong on rosters. We talked about that before. K.J. Martin, not trustworthy. And I know his line was actually decent in this one, but 19 minutes isn't going to get it done. And then Daniel House is... I like him more in head-to-head than I do in Roto at this point because uh, in Roto, you're probably attacking categories a little. I guess in head-to-head, you are as well. Um, but with House, he's you know, he's going to be out there enough. Not a ton of upside, but also you can see the very high floor of a guy who's playing full starters minutes at this point. And then with Brown, yeah, I mean, look, I'll believe it if he can do it again because he had a lot of games in a row here where he was not particularly impressive. You know, 10 rebounds kind of came out of nowhere. We know he can hit the three ball. That's the one thing that sticks. But, yeah, the other stuff you can't really count on. So Houston, pretty interesting right now. Milwaukee, as they've shown many times before, still quite good, even without Giannis Antetokounmpo on the floor. Missed this one uh, with a sprained knee. P.J. Tucker hurt himself in his second game with the Bucks, turned an ankle. Hopefully he'll be back relatively soon. And so that meant that Bobby Portis had a nice little runway. Figured he was going to see some run. Pat Connaughton also picking up a bunch of the Giannis minutes. And Indiana decided they didn't really need to guard anybody, although that's always their problem when Miles Turner misses a ball game. Malcolm Brogdon also sat this one out. They went Edmund Sumner as the starting point guard. Uh, like, it really wasn't clear what they were doing in this one. I think they were mostly running a Levert-Sabonis point guard type offense. But it left a ton of available stuff for TJ McConnell. Jeremy Lamb had his first game, good game in about a month and a half. I don't think Brogdon and Turner missed much time. This may have been Indy just saying, whatever, to this ball game. Uh, but they need wins. And so they better they better be damn sure they know what they're doing before guys sit it out if they're if they even have a chance to play. Pacers gotta get it fired up, man. They're not guaranteed a playoff spot. They're right on the edge of the bubble. Although I think they believe. They've got the cushion they need. Still, you don't want to be the 10 seed. That means you got to win two road games just to get into the playoffs. Yuck. Uh, McConnell, you're keeping. This was not just because Brogdon and uh, and Turner were out. We've seen that they are sort of re-carving him out, his spot on this team. And yeah, damn it if we didn't punt too early after three bad ball games there. But uh, do what you can, try to get him back. He's not going to be a massive upside guy, but it looks like he will be a standard leaguer. Utah blew out the Bulls. You know, starters actually didn't get that far from normal minutes. Rudy Gobert was a block away from a triple-double. Joe Ingles is just having a a season from the heavens at this point. It's really unbelievable. 
no news really on the Utah side. Boyan Bogdanovich has been a pretty big disappointment this season. For Chicago, Tomas Sadoransky played well. His uh, starting point guard role solidified, although, you know, you never know what's going to happen with losses. Zach Levine was decent. Thad was decent. That's about it. So it's kind of the guys we're looking at, guys we're isolating here. And uh, Kobe White was terrible again. That one's that one stings points leaguers. You guys probably spent a pick on that guy, and then all of a sudden they just they just pulled the plug on it. Memphis beat Boston in overtime. Time Lord, 28 minutes, guys. We talked about how you were gonna have to overpay for him, and the price went up. 17 and 6, steal four blocks, miss some free throws to keep this from being a you know, sweep the board kind of night. But damn, man. You know, this is why we talked about top 50 upside. He really does have top 50 potential the rest of the way. Um, you're going to have to pay for him now. You're going to have to give up probably a top 60, top 65 type of guy to get him at this point. And your only hope, you know, you're kind of playing the Robert Williams stock market at this point. Do you wait a game and hope that he regresses slightly in the next one, and then maybe you can get him for like a top 70, 75 type. Or if he has another big ball game, you just won't be able to get him anymore. Jalen Brown was uh, solid. Marcus Smart was solid. Jeff Teague played giant minutes with no Kemba and uh, no Tatum. And then Daniel Tice was fine. He was fine. I mean, I, he, he continues to be a pretty trustworthy center with no Tristan Thompson, but, you know, he's not going to blow the roof off the place. Slow-mo, big game for Memphis. Six defensive stats. JV, Dylan Brooks had one of his weirdo giant games. And then, of course, you get to the rest of them, where what are you going to get? What are you going to get? Brandon Clark, only 19 minutes. Annoying. DeAnthony Melton, only 15 minutes. Even super-duper more annoying. And yet somehow, by the way, even his 15 minutes, he's still... Hit value, not what you want. We want the the big, juicy upside, but nine points, two boards, three assists, a steal, and three three-pointers. I don't know how he does it in 15 minutes, but he does. Like, that's inside, that's like top 120-level stuff in only 15 minutes. And this is the, the Anthony Melton saga where you plug your nose, you close your eyes, and you just hope at the end of the week that that 14 will, or 15 rather, will balance out with a 24, and he'll be at his top 90 mark. And then we hope it goes beyond that, but, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Grayson Allen played 33 minutes. I, you know, whatever. Move on. And then the Clippers, giant comeback against the Hawks. They trailed by 20 in this game. Might have even been 21. Oh, boy. Luke Kennard went buck wild off the bench. Perfect 8 for 8. 20.7 boards, 4 assists, a block, 4 threes in 18 minutes. You want to try to replicate that, Luke? I don't think so. Ivica Zubats continuing to start for Sergi Baca is a very safe play. Terrence Mann went bananas here as well, but listen, those are not guys you're picking up. The guy that we've been focusing on, and there's a story on the Atlanta side as well, so uh, don't worry, we'll get there. The guy we've been focusing on in this podcast, talked a bunch about him on Friday and then briefly about him yesterday in our look ahead, was Marcus Morris, who, uh, you know, is a full-time starter which in general is probably going to be a bit more than 27 minutes. The uh, bench unit made that furious run for the Clips, so uh, I would argue Morris probably lost maybe, I don't know, one or two minutes to uh, the 28-29 target that they probably have him on. He'll take about 12 shots. That's what I said on Friday. You're going to get him around 12 shots a game in a starter's role. He took 11 
in this one, and he was hot, which is great. He made five three-pointers, 19 points, only two boards, so that's a bit of a letdown, uh, an assist, and a blocked shot. You know, you, you sort of just pray that he comes away with a defensive stat in any one particular ball game. So that that's not going to be his thing. But again, starting power forward on this team, floor spacer around Kawhi and PG, that's good. That's a good spot for him. He'll get his 12 shots. Kawhi and Paul George actually are not overdoing it in the field goal attempt department this year. It's not like 20 for one, 20 for the other, and then eight for everybody else. So Marcus Morris really could get a dozen shots a game, and that does put him inside the top 100 in a very specific build. You need points, you need threes, maybe five boards a game, so slightly sub-average for a power forward, but not terrible. And then generally a good free throw percent from a, a bigger guy. So I still advocate that Marcus Morris is worth using. He just needs to be... Uh, it needs to be the right team. You need to have the right team for it. Because if you don't need what he brings, then... Well, then there's no point, because we're at that part of the season now where you have to be a little bit more specific. Meanwhile, on the Atlanta side, DeAndre Hunter came back, played 20 minutes in his first game. I thought it'd be more like 16, so good to see him go up and over that mark. You know, he didn't uh, wow anybody, but we weren't expecting wow in a first game back. We were expecting get through it healthy, and he did. Eight points, a rebound, an assist, a steal, and a three-pointer. That's fine. We weren't starting him that first game back in Roto games cap formats anyway. If you've been squatting on him, this is about as early as you could have possibly expected him to make it back into the lineup. This is like just before the seven-week mark on his seven to ten-week expectation. Uh, and the nice part is, too, you know, if a guy comes back eight weeks into a seven to ten-week thing, you're still looking at another week, week and a half to ramp up. He got back here at about six and a half weeks. So even with a week, week and a half to ramp up, you're still going to be getting kind of full-strength Hunter by about the eight-week mark. And many of us picked him up like maybe three, four weeks ago. So this you could end up tumbling into a top 65 kind of guy uh, that you only had to stash for like three weeks. That's pretty good. Meanwhile, uh, Danilo Gallinari did not return in the fourth quarter, and we still don't really know why. Uh, Nate McMillan said that he was hurt, and that's all we know. So that's weird. Uh, knowing Gallo, that means that <laughs> you could probably expect him to miss a few games. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe he... Uh... Well, how many how many times do we make the joke on this podcast about Anthony Davis having irritable bowel syndrome? Maybe Gallo! Maybe it's Gallo. Maybe maybe it was always Gallo all along. Coming this summer, Danilo Gallinari eats a bad burrito. I don't know. We'll see. Regardless, DeAndre Hunter being back is going to impact him, whether he's healthy or not. And uh, oh, Hunter's the guy that you want to grab moving forward. Really interesting ball game, Man, I was so close to playing Clippers, and then when they were down 21, I thought, phew, bullet dodge! And then whammo, 30-point turnaround or whatever it was there. The, um, the thing I wanted to talk about before we do a quick little Tuesday preview, and this isn't a promo, actually. This is fantasy-related, is today is a perfect day because, you know, it's Tuesday, still late morning. The... Um,
this is when you want to be prepping your fantasy team for the trade deadline. And the way we do that is not necessary. And, you know, the, the, the very straightforward thing is, look, you, you stash somebody. But let's say that you, you know, let's say Hassan Whiteside is the guy you're eyeballing. You're thinking about stashing Hassan Whiteside. And that's all well and good. But what are the odds? This is all part of the process. We're going to walk through it all together. What are the odds that something pans out there? What are the odds that Rashawn Holmes gets moved and Hassan Whiteside doesn't? 20%? If that, 10%? I don't know. Trades don't really just happen. And what if the last guy on your roster is someone who you value? In some small way. What if it's uh what if it's Isaiah Roby, who you think moves into a nice role here, especially post trade deadline? If let's say Horford gets moved or gets totally shut down, something like that. It's not obvious that you should just drop one and pick up the other. What I will say is, based on what your league has done so far, sometimes stirring the pot is a bad decision. What I mean by that is, and let's just use this same example. Let's say Hassan Whiteside is a free agent in your league and Isaiah Roby isn't. Or flip it, I don't care. Let's say Whiteside is added, but Roby isn't. And either way, you're looking at someone, you're, you're making a, you're gambling here on which guy is going to be better after the trade deadline. Whatever it is right now is probably what it'll be 24 hours from now. Even 48 hours from now, as we run right up to the trade deadline. You've seen what your league values. If your league valued the guy who is currently the free agent, he would be on a roster. We're now close enough to the trade deadline where guys that are being listed as possible stashes have been added. You know how competitive your league is. I don't. You know how competitive your league is, meaning you know, are they reading hoop ball? Are they reading... Uh, Sports Edge, are they reading Basketball Month? Who are they reading? What are they listening to? Whatever they're doing, they haven't told them to pick up whoever that guy is that's the free agent in this, player X in this one. And you have player Y on your roster. So you're like, Dan, should I switch the two? My advice is generally going to be, no, don't. Because if you switch the two, you draw attention to it. Attention that apparently hasn't happened yet in your league, or it has, and they don't care. So don't stir the pot. The other thing is, make sure you know who the drop is on your team if something really interesting shakes out here in the next 48 hours. And something's going to happen. Last year, we had a lot of things happen, and there really weren't any big trade deadline winners. It was pretty weird, actually. A lot of stuff happened, and then not a whole lot of things that resulted from it. And maybe you get that again this year. But, you know, let's say... Uh, let's say Victor Oladipo's on the move. I don't know where he goes. Pick a, pick a place. Let's say he goes to Miami. Well, Tyler Hero's on rosters already, even though he hasn't been that great this year. Let's go... Let's, uh, let's pick another destination. Let's say, let's say Bradley Beal gets mysteriously traded. I don't think that's happening, but let's say he gets traded leading up to the deadline... There's a lot of stuff going on in Washington, almost regardless of who comes back. Because whoever comes back isn't going to have the usage of a Bradley Beal. But 
you got to know that you're sprinting out to pick up a Denny Avdia in that spot. I don't think it's very likely that Beal gets traded, which is why I don't think you need to stash Avdia, and he's way over-rostered in fantasy leagues because he really hasn't been good this year because he hasn't had any role on the damn team. But understand who your drop would be in that spot. Go to each one of your teams, however many you have, one by one, and say, okay, that's the guy. Because when the news breaks, when the Woj bomb hits, when the Shams bomb hits, before you do anything else, you want to find the winner and know your drop. Now, the way this gets complicated is if you have a player on your team that also gets impacted by a particular trade, but let's pretend that that's not the uh, extra goofy case you're going to run into. I have a team with Grayson Allen on it right now. Guilty admission because I was chasing steals in this particular spot, and then sure enough, he didn't have any in their last ball. But he'd have three in the one before that, so it's not, not all is lost. He's obviously my drop. That's not always going to be that simple. It's not always going to be so clear who your drop is. I have another team where I could not tell you who the drop is right now. It's probably Tomas Sadoransky. That's hard, man. So then you're weighing, okay, what's the guy I'm picking up going to be? See, this is the other side of it. Find your worst player and determine what their upside is and compare that to the potential pickup. Many of you will have a very obvious drop candidate on your team. Some streamer who's running out of time, something simple and straightforward like that. Uh, many of you will have someone like a Daniel House as the worst player on your team who has, you know, top 85, top 90 upside and, you know, top 120, 130 kind of floor, which is not super interesting. And maybe he does hit that 85 mark. And maybe by dropping him, you lose out on a good fantasy asset the rest of the way. But if there's a guy that pops up after this trade, hypothetical trade goes down, that you think has top 60 upside, yeah, you make the swap. That's how you make that call. Do that today so you're not sprinting around trying to figure it out tomorrow. We will probably have a trade the day before the deadline. That tends to happen. We might even have one today. So pause what you're doing mid-podcast here. Be a great spot for me to have inserted an advertisement, huh? Pause what you're doing mid-podcast here and figure out who... The drop is on your fantasy team. Meanwhile, if you want the best stuff in the fantasy industry, this is also a perfect time for me to tell you guys to get a damn fantasy pass over at hoop-ball.com. It is just $4.99 a month. That is nothing. And the reason it's so good, Discord. Telling you right now, the reason it's so good is a premium Discord. And so I realize now some of you folks might be hearing Discord and think, oh, great, I'm in there with 35,000 people and we're all trying to fight for a pro's attention. No, this is premium Discord. Triple digits, not four or five digits, triple digits. I don't know how many people are actually signed up for our premium stuff, but that's how many are in the Discord. So you're not vying with people for attention. If you need a pro to get with you on something, they're in there. A hoop ball analyst, almost at all times. There's a little lag on stuff, but almost at all times. There's also live chats. And then, like, let's take the trade deadline, for instance. If stuff is going down, there's going to be word on it. And fast. Okay, here's your pickup, here's your drop. That type of stuff. Immediate impact things. Hey, should I drop this guy for this guy? Yeah, we'll hit you. So get the fantasy pass. You're going to love it. 
provided you actually use the Discord. I can't guarantee whether or not you're going to love it or not if you're not using the Discord. I think you're going to like it without the Discord, but you're going to love it if you're in there. Uh, it's also got our tweet storms, myself, the great Adam King, breaking down every card at the end of the night. As I mentioned, live chats. It's good stuff, man. Interaction with the pros. The folks here at HoopBall, myself included, that spend all day, every day, watching and playing fantasy basketball. Hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium tab. Go check it out, man. $4.99 a month, and then hop into the Discord. By the way, uh, how do you get into the Discord? You will just let us know that you got a premium membership, and we can find it, but uh, there's no auto email that goes out about that, and probably there should be. So, good idea, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Check that out. Hoop-ball.com, the premium tab. Go get yourself a fantasy pass for $4.99 a month. If you're a gambling sort, you can also get the wager pass, but that's not what we're promoing on today's podcast. Let's do a quick preview of the Tuesday card fantasy-wise. Denver is in Orlando. I mean, the Will Barton freight train is just rolling along. For Orlando, I gotta assume Aaron Gordon's sitting this thing out if they're trying to trade him in the next two days. But who the hell knows? Because he's played in the last couple. Fournier, Terrence Ross, those guys also on the block for the Magic. You might see them all rested leading up to the deadline. And if you do, yuck, because the rest of that team doesn't know how to put up a fantasy stat to save their lives. If any of them do play, they're going to get more usage than they know what to do with. So that's sweet. Washington in New York, the Knicks. Uh, we'll see how mad the Knicks are after their tough loss to Philadelphia. You know, they've been pretty pissed. Some late officiating stuff for New York has potentially cost them two basketball games. And that's, I don't know, man. I trust a Tom Thibodeau team to bounce back from that sort of thing and play angry as opposed to kind of throwing their arms up in the air. I think Julius Randle in particular seems like he's going to be mad, hopping mad for this one. Derrick Rose is expected to make his return for the Knicks. I don't know how many minutes he's going to play. He hasn't played in three weeks because of COVID. Ouch. Ouch. Think about that, really. Like, he's been knocked out for three weeks. That's a long time. I have no idea what I was doing three weeks ago. That's how long ago that was. Brutal, man. And he talked about it. He said 10 times worse than the flu. Got all the symptoms. He's not going to be himself. Not close. But if you're willing to stash him for the two, three weeks it takes for him to get his win back, then cool. I just think Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Quickly are going to get back to mostly full health before that point. And then you got your three-headed monster again. Uh, what a shame, too, because uh, D. Rose was just starting to get into his Tibbs minutes. Damn. Uh, Alec Burks probably still has some shelf life then, given I don't think Rose is going to be near full capacity, so you can likely keep streaming that. I do not trust Reggie Bullock. As a stream, he might make me look stupid for a game or two, but overall, I think that statement probably does age well. Lakers in New Orleans, the LeBronless, AD-less Los Angeles Lakers. Going to be a lot of Schroeder, a lot of Montrez. Uh, I think you're going to see a pretty good amount of Taylor Horton Tucker, who has a really interesting fantasy stat set, although I don't know that I would call it great because he doesn't shoot the three ball very much. But he does rebound and assist, and percentages are usually pretty good for him. So he's an odd combination of okay field goal percent, not great, pretty good free throw, no threes, minimal threes at least, points, boards, assists, not many defensive stats, 
I don't know. I mean, he profiles much more as a points leaguer based on what I just said out loud, but I think he might hit category league value as well because they're just going to need guys that can create a bit. You can build out shooters and defensive guys around AD and LeBron. Those guys aren't very good without AD and LeBron to get them open and, you know, do the stuff. Pell's side, Lonzo Ball's already been ruled out. He's got a case of trade deadline hip-itis. I know they said his hip hurts, so I had to throw that word in there. But yeah, he's totally being rested for the trade deadline. Wherever he ends up, he'll be playing probably right after the break. Um, and, uh, you know, you're watching Nikhil Alexander-Walker to see what he looks like here. Had a really nice ball game for the Pels in their win over against the uh, Nuggets, I believe it was, on Sunday. But as we mentioned in that one, good steals numbers, good scoring numbers. We haven't seen much else, and that is a little bit upside-limiting. Still, he's a pretty reasonable stash because there is a pretty clear path for him to value if the guy in front of him gets jettisoned away. Phoenix, Miami, not a whole lot here from a fantasy perspective. Heat are a possible destination for fantasy players, but uh, right now they're pretty much Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Brooklyn at Portland, no Kyrie Irving on their road trip, so the Blazers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And that's a pretty good line. You know, James Harden will undoubtedly keep the Nets in it. He might even win it for them. Fantasy-wise, I don't know that I would trust... Ah, man, I guess you could go the Bruce Brown route with no Kyrie and no KD. Ah, I don't know, man. I think I might watch this game, and then you're like, okay, well, at least I know what Brooklyn's going to look like the next two games without Kyrie, and then go from there. That's an easier way to do it as opposed to guessing. Let's just get some data. Nick Claxton's a guy to watch. Does he continue to chew away at the DeAndre Jordan minutes, or is Ennis Cantor going to push him around in this one and beat him up on the glass? We shall see. Philly. Oh, I guess you're also watching C.J. McCollum's minutes, but that's... uh, I mean, it's not changing anything you're doing. Sixers are in San Francisco. It's weird to not say Oakland there. I'll get used to it. To take on the Warriors, Philly favored by four on the road. Makes me think Steph is still out. Man, that's a pretty big number for Philly to be laying without Joel Embiid in a road game in in Golden State. So presumably Steph is still out for this ballgame, which means just stream the crap out of Jordan Poole right now because he is lava hot. And on the Philly side... You know, Simmons being back. We don't know what Seth Curry's status is. So you might get neither Curry. Oh, my goodness. Possible Curry brother battle, and they're both going to be in street clothes. Probably. We'll see. If Seth is out, you go Shake Milton. Steph is out, you go Jordan Poole. At least there's a pretty obvious streamer on both sides of that one. And that is what you're looking for. But again, you know, no real homework assignments here. The homework assignment is watch Twitter. Watch the news on Twitter. Set your phone to get alerts when Woj and and Shams send things out. It is definitely alert season, S-Z-N, on Twitter. You do not want to be second, third, fourth to uh, the big trade deadline news if you're away from your computer or, you know, your phone is across the room. So set the alerts, turn on the noises, make sure you get those Woj and Shams tweets And go get a fantasy pass so we can tell you guys who to pick up when it all goes down. We will, by the way, have our trade deadline live show Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Four hours we will be breaking down fantasy news as it shakes out. Uh, We will obviously have recap segments within 
But it sounds like right now, and I don't have the entire list, the entire guest list on the pod, uh, but I believe we will have the great Aaron Bruski. As usual, he's sort of Bruski in the newsroom, if you guys have watched those Thursday shows before. They're always fun. He's uh, punching away, helping the great Mike Passador uh, on the uh, the blurb feed, the newswire. There's usually a few of them working it because there's so much stuff going on. Uh, so Brew will be on there. It sounds like Ethan Noroff, a very famous fantasy name, one of our buddies here at Hoopball. Uh, Surio, Santino, uh, Steve Vitovich, Micah Patria. We got a lot of fun. Adam King, I forgot. He's not in the email thread. He told me elsewhere. I was reading off the email thread. So we got a lot of really cool names coming on with us on Thursday, and we'll be breaking fantasy news live all damn day long. If you want to make sure you don't miss it, go subscribe to the Hoopball YouTube page, because then when I set up the thread, yes, that's me. I'll be setting up the, uh, the show. Got to make a fun graphic first, guys. Got to make the graphic. Uh, then you'll get an alert, and you can set the little bell so you don't miss it. Again, it's 9 a.m. Pacific time, Thursday morning. We'll run through the trade deadline three hours, and then we'll run in about 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes afterwards, depending on how much stuff we uh, need to recap there. This show, Fantasy NBA Today, will be released after the trade deadline. So I would tell all of you guys who listen to this show to watch the trade deadline show instead because this show actually will be uh, segments of that trade deadline show kind of cut and edited together. That'll be a highlight clip, so to speak, um, where you should probably just get it live. But by the time you listen to this show at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, all the good stuff's going to be gone. So you got to watch that thing live. That's Thursday morning. I'll be promoing that a hell of a lot more on tomorrow's pod and also on Twitter later on today. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I said 42 minutes. I was wrong. It's 46. That was close. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Enjoy the short NBA card. Hit me on Twitter if you need me. I'll be back at you tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.